Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones. And yes, I am the host of the State of the Saints podcast. Thank you so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast, where we talk New Orleans Saints. Uh, Shouts out to everybody listening around the country, around the world, wherever you are, wherever you may be. A special shout out to those that are in the chat. Really do appreciate you as well. Uh, on this edition, we're going to be talking about uh, tight end Foster Moreau and, uh, you know, his trip to the New Orleans Saints and, uh, you know, the unfortunate uh, uh, diagnosis that they found. And also, uh, we're going to be talking about will the Saints consider drafting a wide receiver in the first round of the NFL draft? Well, let's go ahead and get started, man. Um, I mentioned Foster Moreau. Uh, some of you, uh, I'm pretty sure, know who he is. Uh, he's a Louisiana native. Uh, he was uh, born and uh, raised uh, in uh, New Orleans. He, he went to Jesuit High School. Uh, he went to LSU. Uh, he was drafted in a fourth round pick number 137 uh, by the Oakland Raiders back in 2019. Uh, last year, he had his best numbers statistically. He had 33 catches, uh, 54 targets for 420 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and you know, he was a highly touted tight end, you know, coming uh, from the Raiders. Uh, he tested the free agent market. Some people thought that he was uh, waiting on Dalton Schultz, uh, the, you know, the good uh, tight end uh, that played for the Cowboys to see uh, where his market was. Uh, one of the teams that he visited, of course, was the New Orleans Saints. Uh, he visited the New Orleans Saints and, uh, you know, everything, you know, seemed like it was going in the right direction. Um it looked as if, you know, he was considering even signing with the New Orleans Saints. Of course, they had to check him out and, you know, do a physical on him. And unfortunately, uh, this happened. Uh, this is from Foster Moreau's Twitter. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and read this. He says, uh, through somewhat of a miraculous process, this free agency period has been life changing for me. During a routine physical conducted by the Saints medical team down in New Orleans, I've come to learn that I have Hopkins lymphoma and will be stepping away from football. He also went on to say at this time uh, to fight a new opponent, which is cancer. I'm grateful for the support and thankful for the people that have stood firm with me. Uh, there hasn't been a, a single step I've taken without hundreds of people uh, lighting the pad before me. And I will continue to seek guidance. And he says, that being said, I'll go uh, kick this thing's ass and get back to doing what I love. So that comes from Foster Monroe's uh, Twitter account. Um, look, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only person that feels this way. Uh, definitely want uh, Foster Monroe to uh, get healthy. He can get back to playing football, like he said uh, in that last little sentence there. Look, um, there are some things in life that are bigger than football. There are some things in life that are bigger than sitting down uh, watching football on television. You know, I know that we all have an emotional investment uh, in the game. Um, a lot of you, well, one of the reasons why you're here is because you love the New Orleans Saints and you're, you're so uh, enamored with the team. I am as well. Uh, but there comes a time when, you know, there's something that's more important than just, you know, a couple of little lines on some grass. And uh, this is one of those situations, you know, um, it's unfortunate, but it's a, it's a blessing. You know, if Foster Moreau didn't, you know, maybe pursue free agency, who would have known? He probably wouldn't have known about it until it was a little bit too late. So that was a blessing in disguise that he was able to take this physical 
and for the Saints coaching staff to uh, diagnose him with um, Hopkins lymphoma. Um, I know we are very, very critical of the Saints uh, medical staff. Some of us feel like they need to be fired. Some people, uh, you know, have been critical about, you know, how some of these players uh, uh, injuries, they seem like they have been prolonged. But uh, one thing that we have to admit on this day, um, these guys are champions uh, because they possibly saved a man's life. And um, that's something that's, that's that should not uh, be just kind of breeze through. OK, um, this moment, um, you know, I want to give props to the Saints medical staff uh, for doing their due diligence, for finding this out and in order for Foster Monroe to be able to, you know, uh, go out here, uh, get the proper treatment and uh, get back to doing what he loves to do. Now, it's going to be a battle, of course. Uh, anybody that has known anybody that has cancer or, or somebody that's dealing with it, you know that it's it's a battle. But, you know, I'm very, very confident that Foster Moreau will be able to get through this and, uh, you know, he can come back uh, as a champion. Um, once again, uh, there are some things in life that are more important than the game of football, and uh, this man's life, to me, uh, trumps that. So um, hope that he has a speedy recovery. Um, I hope that he gets back to playing football and I hope that everything works out uh, for uh, the tight end. Uh, so um, that's that's pretty much, you know, uh, sums it up. And um, but I mean, you look at where the Saints are, you know, the Saints have been doing a really good job at recruiting guys like Foster Monroe, you know, and all and also guys like Jonathan Abram, who I uh, talked about a little bit on yesterday's episode and also. You know, some of the other guys that came in, uh, Keelan Saunders, uh, Nathan Shepard, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. You know, guys that have come in and it, it really seems like people are buying into what the Saints are indeed selling. Now, the Saints are more appealing today, you know, because they have themselves a solid quarterback in Derek Carr. You know, regardless of what side of the fence that you sit on, Derek Carr makes the Saints look a little bit more appealing, especially like when it comes to guys uh, coming in from the offensive side as well as the defensive side. When you have a quarterback that guys believe that can help you win, you know, they will, um, you know, come along. And, uh, you know, the Saints have gotten some really good, solid guys, some guys that are young to help the defense. And I think that we're going to see some guys on the offensive side of the ball spread their wings and get better uh, as well. Um, you know, the question on everybody's mind is, what are the Saints going to do with the first round pick this year right you got pick number 29 i mean our emotions have been pretty much everywhere right we went from oh man we need a quarterback to we assigning Derek carr well we need ourselves an interior lineman in comes nathan shepherd in comes keelan saunders in comes malcolm roach coming back from the uh, to the new orleans saints so we still you know still need some help on the interior with that we also need you know as far as edge rushers are the saints going to try to get an edge rusher you know, you can never have too many of those. We don't have Davenport anymore. Peyton Turner has had a, a history of being injured. You signed Tano Passigno, but he's more of a rotation guy. But there are some stories that are saying that the Saints, uh, you know, showed up to the Ohio State Pro Day. Um, many people were there to see guys like C.J. Stroud. But, of course, you have other players out there. You know, you got Paris Johnson, the star uh, tackle that's out there. You also have uh jackson smithing jigba you know a guy that you know is a really good really good wide receiver you know he had a little bit of some injuries uh, this past year 
you know, so it's kind of like, you know, he, he didn't really play as much, but we all know how talented he is. And if you look at some of the mock drafts that they have out there, some some mock drafts have him going to the Eagles. Some of them have him going to the Texans. Uh, some of them have him going to the Patriots, you know, so will the Saints consider drafting a guy like Jackson, Smith, and Jigma? Well, we all know that the Saints love themselves some Ohio State players. I want to say they drafted maybe like seven Ohio State players in the last five years. To say that the Saints love Ohio State players would be an understatement. And Jackson, Smith, and Jigba is a really good wide receiver. Uh, some people would even say that he was better than Garrett Wilson and also Chris Olave. He is the guy that stands out right uh he's a young guy he's out of Rockwall, texas uh but i i don't expect for jackson smith and jigbo to be there at number 29 for the new orleans saints so in order for them to try to acquire him they're gonna have to move up now is that a smart decision well i, I look at it this way the saints need so much help at all different positions i wouldn't even be mad if they decide to move up to acquire a guy that they love Look, I have no problem with that. I think somebody asked me uh, a couple days ago, um, I want to say it on the show on Tuesday, you know, would you be upset if the Saints, you know, move up to get Nolan Smith? Absolutely not. If the Saints move up to get, uh, you know, Kalaja Kansi, would I be mad? Absolutely not. I mean, Von Ness, uh, no, absolutely not. Look, if you feel like the guy that can help your team win is available, and maybe you need to move up a few more spots in order to acquire them. I'm not mad at that. I, I'm not mad at that at all because the the name of the game is win, right? Win the game. That's that's the whole point of, of doing this. And we all know that the Saints they need to start looking at some of these younger players, guys that can be those cornerstone players. Because now you got some older guys that are on the team. They still have something to offer, but at the same time you want to have yourself a little bit of a succession plan going while you have guys like Demario Davis and, and Cam Jordan still being able to give you a little something. You can have some young players come along and they can, you know, go alongside some of the veterans and they can learn how to become pros and they can become your cornerstone players. Now, if Jackson Smith Jigba is the guy that you feel like you need to go up and get, I say go up and get him. Now, some people will say that that's absolutely crazy because they're looking at the wide receiver room and they're taking into account Michael Thomas and they're taking into account of what Rashid Shaheed did last year and what Chris Olave did last year. But we all know that if you look at the New Orleans Saints wide receiver room over the last couple of years, it has been un you know unfortunate that a lot of the guys that we have counted on to be out there and be available on Sunday have not been there. And I just think that, you know, those that don't look at their history are doomed to repeat it. And I just think that you've seen what was happening with the wide receiver room. You've seen the injuries. I just think that you need to dot your I's and cross your T's. And if you can get yourself a good wide receiver in the first round, then I say do it. Because here's the thing. You sign Michael Thomas to a one-year contract, right? It's more like a prove-it deal and it's an incentive-related deal. And with that, you know, you're still going to have to ask the question after, you know, the first year. If he if he plays and he plays well and he's not hurt and he's not dealing with injuries, you still have to ask yourself, well, you know, is there a possibility that after he signs his contract, will he get hurt again? Right. You, you still got to ask this question. You also have to ask, 
you know, do what am I going to do going forward with Michael Thomas? You know, can I find somebody else that can maybe, you know, come in and I don't have to pay as much? So those are some things that you have to definitely look at, you know, at the wide receiver position. But like I said, if you can get in Jigba, you know, if you're happy and satisfied with what you can, you know, what he can bring and you think that uh, him along with Chris Olave for the next three to four years can terrorize the NFL, then I say go up and get him. Now, it may not be the most popular opinion. It may not be the most popular thing to do. But at the end of the day, you need to make sure that your wide receiver room is intact. You got to make sure that you have enough playmakers to be able to sustain a 17-game season. You have to make sure that you're not looking and trying to find guys that are on a, you know, on a scrap heap around week number nine or week number 10 because your wide receiver room is decimated, right? And it will be hard for me to kind of be you know kind of sympathize with that because at the same time you you have seen over the last couple of years what your wide receiver room can look like due to injury so if you can kind of you know tighten up that wide receiver room i don't know maybe if you want to sign somebody but if you don't want to do that draft somebody i'm all for it if you want to draft somebody in round you know with number 40 in the second round i wouldn't be mad at that look the, the saints once again need so many different things so many different at so many different positions you know, it, it's hard for you to get upset if they go after an offensive lineman or they go after a linebacker. I mean, it, it, they can go in any direction, any direction. And um, I don't think anybody will get mad. I just think that sometimes they draft players that we don't consider exciting and we find ourselves getting upset. Like uh, Anton Harrison, I, I did a mock draft, you know, and I had Anton uh, Harrison out of Oklahoma, you know, going to the Saints at number 29. And some people were like, well, you know, what are you talking about? You know, an offensive lineman, what we need with offensive linemen. But if you look at it, James Hurst has been hurt. Trevor Pennon has been hurt. Andrews Pete has been hurt. So what are you going to do, right? It, it, you know, we don't think about those things until they actually happen. Once again, you have to make sure that you're fully prepared, right? You have to make sure that you're fully prepared. So sometimes it's not the most popular decision to make, but it's a necessary decision to make. But that's why I feel about it. I mean, I, w I wouldn't be mad if they were to try to draft a wide receiver in the first round. Um, you got to be able to uh, protect yourself and protect your team and make sure that you can still have playmakers available when necessary. But let me go ahead and read some of your comments. Thank you all so much for being here. I really do appreciate that. I'm going to stroll down a little bit just so we can kind of, you know, kind of stay lock and step with the topics uh jerry says tj i was looking for you to come on the who that nation chat line podcast to tag along with cb with rick sean and dj but i understand daddy duties yeah jerry look i was checking it out um last night you know i was uh i was um you know with paxton you know and i was just laying in a bed of course i was watching my guys man look dj and mike and sean you know those are really good guys you know i've, I've been I've known DJ and Mike, of course, you know, we've done like projects together over the last three years. I definitely consider those guys, my friends. Uh, you know, I love those brothers to death, man. And they're, they're you know, they're, they're such great people. Like I think a lot of people see, you know, them on camera, but like behind the scenes, like they're really good human beings, like great fathers, uh, you know, God fearing men and they love football, you know, and I, and, and so, and also shouts out to CB who is, you know, I've known for, you know, quite some time. He does a really good job on a WDN chat line as well. So um, it's not hard for me to try to support a show like that when when you got, 
you know, so much love for everybody that's a part of that. So I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, those guys are funny. And um, I'm sorry that I missed it, man, because anytime I link up with those guys, man, it's always fun uh, to do podcasts and shows with those guys. The sky's the limit uh, for what they're doing. I mean, it's just a matter of time before the entire world sees how special those guys really are. Uh, let's see uh, who that uh, SOTS family chose. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Really do appreciate that. Uh, at TJ, do you think the Saints will go after DeForest Buckner for the right price? Uh, Rose City, I, I I think so. And I think if I'm not mistaken, I've seen Cameron Jordan kind of lobbying for that. Uh, DeForest Buckner, of course, we know that he, uh, he got drafted by the 49ers, ended up leaving them in free agency, going to the Colts. Uh, you know, has done a really good job there at, with, in the interior. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be mad at that at all. Um, you know, it don't seem like the price tag is just too expensive for the Saints to uh, be able to uh, try to grab. I, I wouldn't be mad at it. You know, and the way that the Saints have been, you know, really, really aggressive uh, this offseason acquiring free agents, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they at least make a phone call to his representation uh, and try to see, you know, how they can, you know, maybe make some things happen with the Indianapolis Colts to bring him uh, to New Orleans. So, you know, I'm, I'm not mad at it. I mean, he's an extremely talented football player, and uh, we know that that uh, he can handle up on his business, and he, he is a really good uh, run-stopping uh, defensive lineman. So I, I, I like it a lot. You know, I like his athleticism. Um, I, I like his uh, personality. Um, I like his aggression. And um, you put that alongside Cameron Jordan, Tano Passanio, uh, and maybe – you know, Peyton Turner and maybe another young edge rusher, I think you're going to have yourself a problem in New Orleans. But I, I, I wouldn't mind it at all. I like him. I've always liked uh, DeForest Buckner. I mean, he's a very, very talented player. Uh, TJ, you think the Saints might go uh, still get Hooker? You know what? I I'm, I don't know if they would try to get Hendon Hooker or not. I'm not too sure about that. I just feel like with the combination of Derek Carr and Jameis Winston, the Saints may look at 2024 at uh, maybe trying to uh, draft themselves a quarterback. Uh, it's, a, it's a much deeper draft at the quarterback position. A lot of those guys that are going to be coming out, a lot of the uh, mock draft guys consider those guys to be cornerstone quarterbacks, future, uh, you know, faces of the NFL. So I think maybe the Saints may be looking in 2024 to try to acquire a guy that can possibly be the success of the Derek Carr uh, once, you know, those three years are up. Uh, with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, as far as Hendon Hooker, you know, I, I just hope that he ends up uh, going to a team that can actually, uh, you know, get him where he needs to be. Uh, I, I see a team like, you know, the Buccaneers. Uh, I can see him uh, with the Titans. Uh, I can see him uh, maybe with the Minnesota Vikings. You know, I see some teams that that would be a really good fit for him. Uh, anywhere it go, you know, it, it's going to be one of those things where he's going to have to sit behind a starting quarterback and learn. It'll probably be one of those things where you probably won't see Hooker the entire season. Or if he goes to a team and the quarterback struggles, you might see him come in. And that's something, honestly, that I don't want. You know, I would rather him sit behind a team, I mean, a quarterback on a team that is destined for the playoffs, right? That You know, that's going to, you know, give him opportunity to really – sit behind him and learn because if he gets out there too prematurely, it can affect his confidence. And, you know, it, we all know that everybody loves themselves a rookie, you know, when he first come in, everybody love him because he is the representation of what the franchise can do. And 
everybody just, you know, enamored by him. And then all of a sudden, if he's not ready and he gets thrust into the lineup, then people are like, man, what's going on with him? But he hasn't fully developed yet. And we know at the quarterback position, that is amplified, right? If you're not going out there, like putting your skills on display right away, fan bases can kind of turn their back on you, right? And be like, I don't think he's the guy. And you start listening to that stuff and it affects you. It affects you psychologically. It might, you know, even though you might have the the chance to really be a good quarterback because of, you know, you getting thrust out there, it might affect you. So hopefully, you know, a guy like Hooker can go to a team where he can actually sit there and learn and watch the team, you know, go through the motions, win some games, get to the postseason, and all the while he can learn from the quarterback coach and the starting quarterback of that team. But if he goes to a team that, you know, is a train wreck, I think it might affect him and it might end up hurting him as a quarterback. But I wish him all the best. Ain't the wide receiver group in this draft is deep. Yeah, it's pretty deep, uh, Tedra. It, it really is. It's not It's not one of those where, you know, it's, it's very top-heavy and then it's a, a huge drop. Honestly, I feel like this, this may sound crazy, but you probably can find multiple, you know, leading receivers, you know, that can lead the league in receiving yards and touchdowns probably in the fourth or the fifth round, as crazy as that sounds. That's how deep it is. You know, you, you can find guys that can really contribute to a team late in rounds. That's why, you know, if, if the Saints don't draft a wide receiver in the first two rounds, I'm not mad at that because you can find guys. And I keep on saying this guy because I feel like he kind of fits the mold of the Saints. You know, the Bryce Ford Wheaton, you know, the guy out of West Virginia, he's, he's probably going to be like a fourth or a fifth round. Cedric Tillman is probably going to be like a fourth or a fifth rounder. I mean, you got so many different guys that that fit that possession mode. You got so many different guys that can take the top off the defense. You got so many different guys that are crisp route runners. You know, so to me, you don't have to get one in the first two rounds, even if it sounds like even if it's a guy that you're probably not too familiar with. You know, you're probably more familiar with the Jigbas, the the Quentin Johnstons. You know, guys like that, right? The guys that kind of you know, solidified themselves. You're probably not too familiar with some of these other guys in the late, later part of the draft, but they can be key contributors. So it's not the end of the world if the Saints don't go after uh, after a guy like Smith and Jigba or, you know, try to get a guy like Johnston or Zay Flowers. It's, it's okay, you know, because this is a pretty deep draft at the wide receiver position, and you can, you can definitely get a wide receiver in the fourth or the fifth round that can make some noise and have the fan base going crazy every time they, they hit the field. Uh, Alfred, thank you very much for the 499 says I'm all for loading up the wide receiver room because after a few weeks into the season, we back to the guys we was complaining about. We need that 2018 depth. Yeah, I mean, you need you need depth at the wide receiver position. And I also just think that the Saints need to get away from the Paytonisms when it comes to the wide receivers. And what I mean by that is, you know, Sean Payton really had a knack for getting the most out of the most average receiver, but getting the most out of that receiver might be, Oh, he can take the top off the defense. So I'm going to have him running a street route all the time, you know, or, you know, I'm going to have him running deep posts. So it almost make that player becomes one dimensional. And it also gives the, the opposition the you know, the idea that we know what you all are about to do. It's almost like when the Saints played 
uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I think it was like third and one. And, you know, Carlton Davis kind of set on the route because he knew Marquez Callaway was going to run a quick slant. And after he, he blasts the ball away, he looks at Callaway and says, man, I knew what you was going to do, man. You always run that play, right? So I think the Saints need to get away from that, right? Get, get you know, guys that can do more than just maybe two routes, right? Get some crisp route runners, guys that can take the top off the defense, guys that can, you know, have really good body control, guys that can work the middle of the field as well as take the top off the defense. Because here's the thing. If you get guys that have a, a plethora of skills at the wide receiver position, it makes your offense even more deadly because you can't zero in on just Michael Thomas because you have to account for Chris Olave's ability to work the field and take the top off the defense. You can't just, you know, wait and try to see if, you know, Chris Olave is just going to take the top off the defense because now, you know, he can do so many other things or Rashid Shaheed can do so many other things. So I do think that you need to get away from those things. You know, not not just you know, getting guys that are just one dimensional, because if you get more than one guy that can have the possibility of going over a hundred yards, it makes your offense even more deadly. Like, cause you can't just double cover Michael Thomas and say, okay, we got everything under control. So you, you get guys that can do a multifacet of things and you put them out there and you'll have yourself a high powered offense. In my opinion, uh, I say, go for it. Uh, and have a BPA approach uh, in the draft. Well, look, I, all I all I know is you you try to get the best players possible, and uh, you try to make sure that your team is more formidable than your opposition. So any way that happens, you you just make it happen. Uh, Jerry, we talking about the rapper Takashi Six Nine getting beat up at the gym. Oh, <laughs> that's another story for another day. Nah, from what I've seen, the wide receiver class is thin. I only like Hyatt and Wheaton in his draft. Nah, it's not very, it's not thin at all, man. I'm telling you. Um, have an opportunity to go to the senior bowl, have an opportunity to go to the combine, talking to these guys, watching some of their film, watching like some of these guys' strong points and some of their weaknesses. This is not a weak draft, man. Now, you might consider it weak because you may not know a lot of the guys like right offhand. You know, and I'm not no disrespect because I'm pretty sure you're very, very knowledgeable. But sometimes, like when you have a bunch of guys that you know that come from big name schools, we can kind of look at it like it, it being top heavy, right? Oh man, after that, you know, they ain't got really got nobody. So when you start thinking about Quentin Johnston, or and then you start thinking about J uh, Jackson Smith and Jigbo, you start thinking about Zay Flowers, but then you, you know, you also got to take into account, you know, saying some of those other guys that may came from schools that probably wasn't on TV all the time, or they probably, you know, play in a school that's kind of in the middle of the pack of their respective conference, but they still was out there making some noise. There's a lot of talented wide receivers out there having opportunities, like I said, to go to like the senior bowl, to go to the combine, to interact with some of these guys, to see these guys out and some of these one-on-one -on -one drills and see these guys you know, running these routes and, you know, there, there are a lot of talented wide receivers in this draft. Now you have to go to a team that's going to be able to take your talent and, 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 you know, put it together and put it out there on display. So sometimes guys can kind of slide through the cracks or guys don't live up to their potential because they fall to a team that doesn't have their best interests at heart. But if you have a talented guy and he goes to a, 
a really good team that can develop them in the right way, you can see some really talented wide receivers. And it's this, like to me, this going to sound crazy, or well, probably not to me, but this is probably the most talented wide receiver draft since 2015. Like when you had like Mike Evans and Odell Beckham Jr. and Brandon Cooks and all these guys came out. It's pretty talented, man. It's a pretty talented draft. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'll I'll be good today. <laughs> uh, would you give up a fifth round pick uh, for D Hop? Absolutely. I definitely would give up a fifth round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I don't know a team that wouldn't give up a fifth round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. He's one of the most talented wide receivers in the entire National Football League. Now you have some young guys that kind of came through, like the Justin Jeffersons and the T Higgins and the Jamar Chases of the world, but. DeAndre Hopkins is is still one of the best wide receivers in football. And I kind of put him over a lot of these guys because if you look at DeAndre Hopkins' career, I mean, this dude has been having pretty much the most average wide, I mean, quarterbacks throwing him the football. The TJ Yates, uh, the Brock Osweilers, I mean, the, you know, I mean, so many different guys that that have been a starting quarterback of the Houston Texans over the years, and he still finds a way to be in the best wide receiver in the league conversation. So I definitely would give up a fifth-round pick for him. You know, I, I think that he's extremely talented, and I, I, would, I would give that up in a heartbeat. Mario says, TJ, the host, what's going on, Mario? Thank you for being here. Says, uh, yo, TJ, I finally made it to a live smile. Thank you, thank you, man. It's probably because I'm, I'm doing the show kind of early, uh, earlier than usual um i got a meeting that i have to go to around the time i normally launch episode i don't normally launch it maybe like around 1 uh 2 p.m uh eastern standard time but i have something to do later on this evening so i mean this afternoon so i have to do it a little bit earlier it says uh with that being said i hope jay williams is not uh put in a situation where when he comes in is run uh but when kamara uh comes in is pass mix both run and pass with both uh, Pete, yeah. Uh, look, I, I don't look. You you can't run the offense the way that you did last year. It was boring. It was it was vanilla. I mean, you you got to get in your bag. You have to go out here. You got to watch some of the film uh, of some of these other teams. You got to watch film of maybe guys on a collegiate level. I mean, honestly, look. If you see a pass, you know, or a play that was at a high school football game that you can run in a pro. I say do it. Look, the league constantly changes, right? It, it constantly changes. And if you can't adapt with the times, you're going to fall behind. So you can't just get enamored with the Paytonisms. Once again, I understand that Pete Carmichael is a Sean Payton, uh, you know, disciple or whatever, you know, or, you know, I don't want to call him the disciple, but, you know, he he's he's a, what, a, you know, a, men, a mentee or something like that, I guess, you know, like, or you know, somebody that, that follows Sean Payton's philosophies, there it is, follows the philosophies. I understand it. But you have to create your own. And you also have to be able to adapt with the times because if you don't, you're going to be on the outside looking in. And honestly, you know, if P. Carmichael has another run at, you know, how it was last season, you know, that's when the whispers are really going to start getting really, really loud. And people are going to wonder how good of a coordinator you actually are. You know, are you really as good as, as you know, you, you people think you are or were you just a recipient of being on the staff with Sean Payton? 
I mean, right now, I mean, I've seen some games where P. Carmichael was really in his bag and he was getting in the ebbs and flows of the game. But I hope that the New Orleans Saints, you know, allow P. Carmichael, you know, to do his thing. But I also hope that they actually bring somebody else in, you know, a, a different set of eyes, uh, somebody that may be a little bit younger, may have some different ideas, may be a little bit more innovative. You can never have too many guys like that on your staff, right? So this this might be the year. You know, this is going to be the decided factor. You know, and people are going to be asking a question like, is, you know, is P. Carmichael, you know, that good? Or or Sean Payton, you know, kind of, you know, cleaning up the messes, you know, and it made it seem like it was more of him than it would than it really was. Uh, with that being said, oh, I already read that one. It says, uh, Michael Jefferson is six foot four, 210 pounds, who played for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. He's a hidden gem. Yeah, look, I think that there's a lot of hidden gems out there. You know, I really do. There, there's a lot of guys that, that kind of, you know, that's going to be sliding through the cracks, you know, so he, he may be one of them. You know, he may be one of them. And, um, you know, if he goes to the right situation, he might be a really good player. Uh, TJ, who do you think the best uh, cornerback duo is in the league mm, the best cornerback duo in the league i mean <laughs> it's kind of hard to go against the uh the miami dolphins right now you acquiring jalen ramsey you know and uh you know they still have what if i'm not mistaken they still got howard out there i mean they got some talented guys on in that secondary you know i don't want to be biased you know and and say oh you know it's the saints because i'll be lying you know, I mean, Alante Taylor showed a lot, uh, you know, last season, but I'm not going to put him ahead of some guys that have proven it year in, year out constantly. You know, so I have to say the Miami Dolphins would be one. Um, before, you know, the trade, uh, Cleveland Browns had a pretty good, talented uh, cornerback duo out there. Um, Philadelphia, you know, they, they, got a, they got a talented cornerback group with Darius Slay and James Bradbury. So, I mean, you got a bunch of teams out there that they have a really good, solid cornerback uh, room, you know, and, I, you know, but I, it's hard for me to just say, oh, this team, you know, because I can see a lot of good, you know, got a lot of good, talented cornerbacks that are on these teams out here. So, says, uh, I'm late, but what up, who that nation? Facts, are we going to have to address the wide receiver position after next season anyway? Might as well take care of the right, take care of it right now, especially a wide receiver in a draft. Plus, we saw Lave go down, so let's uh, cover our tails. Yeah, I mean, you got to take into account every little thing. You know, you got to be able to dot your I's and cross your T's. You can't just ignore it and just think that the problem is going to go away. It's almost like, you know, you ever started your car and rolled around in your car and then you start hearing like a little ticking noise and you know you're like oh man i don't want to hear it then you turn up your radio so you, you can drown out the sound that's underneath your hood well guess what i mean you can turn up the radio and that that song might jam a little bit harder because the bass hitting but guess what whatever there's there's ticking underneath your hood you're gonna have to get that addressed or you know you ain't gonna be able to ride no more you know that's kind of how it is you got got to be able to cover yourself you got to be able to cover yourself um and, and pay attention to uh some of the things that that transpire you in order for you to be able to fix it and become better uh so let me, let me go down a little bit scroll down it says uh i'm from fresno california so i can't wait for Derek uh jersey to come out 
Well, shouts out to you uh, out there in Fresno on the West Coast, man. A little bit earlier. It was about 9 o'clock there. So shouts out to you, man. Let's see. Uh, people assume Derek Carr will be better than Jameis Winston. What happens if he's not? Well, if it, if he's not better than Jameis Winston, then, you know, I mean, guess the Saints won't make the playoffs. Uh, guess they will have another bad season. Guess, you know, some of these shows will become, you know, <laughs> very frustrating shows, you know, to do. But I'm not wishing that, you know. Look, at the end of the day, I, look, I, I hate to, I, man, I hate to be this person, but I just got to be 100% honest. Um, Jameis Winston ain't the starting quarterback. Like, and some of, some of you out there are just going to have to deal with it. Like, talking about, oh, Jameis got screwed, Jameis got met. Like, all I, oh, look, I don't think anybody wants to play more than Jameis Winston. I don't think anybody wants to see somebody play more than, you know, Jameis Winston does as far as him being a starting quarterback, but he's not. And, you know, going back and forth and and bringing up Derek Carr's imperfections and saying Derek Carr ain't going to succeed because of this. And I mean, how is that going to benefit the New Orleans Saints? Like right now, he's the starting quarterback. I'm talking Derek Carr. He's the starting quarterback of the Saints. And there's nothing you can really do about it unless something happens to Derek Carr. He is the starting quarterback. So, you know, trying to, you know, I guess pick up the bloodstained Jameis banner is not going to benefit at all. It's not going to benefit this team. And honestly, it just it just creates unnecessary chaos. Like, it's just not going to happen. Like, I like Jameis Winston just like everybody else, but he's not the starting quarterback. And, um, you know, I don't think it's because of racism. I don't think it's because, you know, of anything like that. I just believe that, Derek Carr and and Dennis Allen, they have a relationship. And I just feel like Dennis Allen believes that Derek Carr is more qualified to be the starting quarterback than Jameis Winston is. And, you know, sitting up here complaining about Jameis Winston not starting or Jameis Winston not playing, it's not going to happen. And also, man, you got to, like, we got to, look, we got to be real with ourselves, Right. Jameis Winston came into the league in 2015, and we, some of us, is arguing like this dude is like a first-year starter. You've he had over almost a hundred opportunities to solidify himself as a starter, and he didn't. You know, I mean, what what's the issue with that? You know, what I'm saying I don't know, but it's not like you know, it's not like it's a Rudy situation, right? You know, what I'm saying like the whole crowd just you know, Chan Rudy and we want him in the game because we ain't never seen Rudy play. We seen this guy play before, you know, and were there some good things about him? Absolutely. But there was also some things where, you know, people have to wonder like that we made the right decision. So it's not like, once again, it's not like we're talking about a 21 year old kid. We talking about almost a 30 year old man who's had almost a hundred starts. So um, I think that it's, it's about that time, you know, it's, it's time to, you know, see, you know, like if Derek Carr don't pan out, then it just don't pan out. But that's De- that's Dennis Allen's choice. That's his choice. You know, but I mean, I wish I wish Jameis the best. I really do. I wish him the best. I, I think that he he definitely deserves to be a starter in the National Football League, but he's not going to be starting on the Saints team. So we can cry or we can cry, keep moving forward and see what 2023 has to offer with Derek Carr. 
Uh, would you be upset if we draft a tight end out of Notre Dame, Mike my, uh, Mayers? Uh, no, I would not. Um, no, I would not be upset at all. Uh, I think that he's a really talented tight end. Uh, I remember watching him uh, the first game of the season, I think, that when they played Ohio State. I mean, the dude was an absolute monster. So I would not be mad at that. But I don't think he's going to end up going to the Saints. I think more than likely he'll probably get drafted like early. Like, I think Cincinnati, they need themselves a tight end. You know, a couple more teams need a tight end. But if he falls to the Saints, him or um, him or Kincaid, you know, out of uh, Utah, like I wouldn't be mad at that. Would you be opposed to taking running back Gibbs um, at 29? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be uh, Jameer Gibbs. I wouldn't be uh, upset with that. I mean, he has a lot of qualities like Alvin Kamara. I wouldn't be upset with that. I hate when my car is acted up with the noise or something like that. And you take it to the mechanic and then it's not doing it anymore. Car makes you look like a liar. <laughs> well, I mean, it's better to be safe than sorry, right? And uh, getting it checked out, you know, is always a, a, a good thing. Y'all fandom crazy. Y'all be wishing someone fail. I don't care if SpongeBob leading my team. I'm pushing him and rooting. I mean, absolutely. Look, I, I'm not one of those people. I'm not looking for somebody to fail because, look, I think you're missing a mark if you're wishing somebody failed just so you can look right to the masses. Like, I take no pride, like, when I have takes and I say something not going to work out and it don't work out, right? I'd rather it be the opposite, believe it or not. I'd rather say something like if a guy is struggling, right, and I'm like, man, maybe it's time to move on or maybe they need to go in a different direction and that guy proves me wrong, like, I, I feel good about that. As crazy as that sound, because I don't want to sit on on this show and bash and talk about people and talk about their shortcomings and say that they're not good enough. Like, i rather, you know, them prove me wrong. But here's the thing, man. Like, saying somebody ain't the answer, oh, it ain't going to work out, it ain't going to work out because you're mad because they didn't go with your guy. I just think that that's just the wrong way of looking at it. You know, uh, at the end of the day, you have to think about if this dude don't succeed, then that he's the representative of your team, right? It's the representative. He's the representative of your team. He is on as far as the offense. He is one of the main deciding factors if your team is going to be successful or not. So why would you want him to fail? You know, I mean that that makes that doesn't make sense to me. Like I I like Jameis Winston as well as the neck bay, but I'm not praying on Derek Carr's downfall so Jameis Winston you know I can be right about my take on Jameis Winston like come on man like uh is, is being right mean that much to you that you're willing to like see somebody fail or even like watch your team crumble like nah not not to me Seattle in the house listening to at 9 a.m doesn't matter always who that Daryl thank you so much for listening all the way in Seattle Washington Man, y'all up early on the West Coast. Man, I appreciate that, man. That's an honor. Like, for y'all to be, you know, checking this show out, I appreciate that, man. I know it's early. Uh, tell them TJ uh, says, please don't start with the Jameis versus Carr thing. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of kind of over that, man. I'm over it. You know, like, I think yesterday, to me, you know, shouts out to uh, Jameis 101. Enjoyed the, the, the interview. But it just made me just realize, man, like, anytime you start talking about you know, this type of comparison, it just kind of draw, you know, 
it kind of draws like a divide in a who that nation. And that's not the type of energy that I want to be on. Like, I don't want to be on that. Like, I'd rather talk about how this team can actually win some football games. I'd rather talk about how, you know, they can add certain players to certain positions than get back to the playoffs. Like, talking about Jameis versus Derek is, like, I, honestly, I just think that it's just a waste of time. You know, it, it doesn't benefit anything. You know, and it only just kind of just makes us upset and frustrated as a fan base. So, you know, I, I had to look at that. You know, honestly, I, I had to look at that yesterday and I, I was talking to my wife about it, you know, and, and that's not the type of energy I want to bring, you know, to make, you know, I was going back and I was listening to the interview, of course, but I seen the chat and I seen so many people going back and forth over the topic. And that's just not the energy that I want to bring. I want to bring positivity to the show of course a couple laughs and and some truth in it as well but i don't want to bring that at the expense of you know creating a divide in the who that nation like that that wasn't the energy that i wanted so um definitely want don't want that i'd rather you know have positive energy happening on this show more so than than the negative says there's only one team that truly uh, flexes at the end of uh, the year yeah, that's true. Only one team uh, stands alone, right? Only one team can win the Super Bowl. If Jameis has to stop due to injury, injury, do you think uh, he would have been able to run the same scheme as Carr or will have a different scheme as a quarterback? I don't know. You know, I mean, he may be, be able to do that, but I'm I'm not sure. But at this particular point, man, no disrespect to Jameis Winston. I think I might hold off on the Jameis stuff for just for a while, man. Just for a while. Like if something comes up and it and involves me talking about Jameis Winston, I will. But I'm moving on from it. Like I, I no no disrespect to anybody, but I'm probably not going to be answering any more questions about Jameis Winston. Like for a while, right? No, I'm just not. Especially like if it's about you know Jameis Winston and, and talking about the. Derek Carr and I, I'm 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 over there, man. It's over with. Derek Carr is the starting quarterback. Jameis Winston is is the second string quarterback. And until that changes, ain't nothing we really could do about it. So I, I think I'm I'm good on that for right now. Uh, I'm a airplane mechanic, so I'm up all hours of the night. Can't miss your lives, TJ. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, and uh, thank you for everything that you're doing, man. That like that's a very underrated job uh, that you have right there. You know. Uh, we we get on these planes and you know we travel across the country get to our destination we don't think about that man but thank i definitely thank you for your contributions man because uh man what, what you do you you help and you save hundreds of lives thousands of lives you know making sure that those planes are up in the air and working fun, uh, functional so shouts out to you man um i'm kind of excited to see how p carmichael and Derek carr mesh I agree. You know, like I would like to see that, you know, and also, you know, will we see a difference at the quarterback position, you know, when it comes to being able to dissect defenses and uh, being able to call things out? I mean, it should be interesting. It should be interesting to see, Trill. I think I think I think for the most part, we just want to see some stability at the quarterback position. And it's been a while. It's, It's been a while that we've seen a guy play consistently at the quarterback position, you know, without any interruptions, rather the guy gets hurt, somebody else has to come in and we have to buy into that next person. But 
you know, it seemed like Derek Carr just won the battle of attrition. I'm knocking on wood when I say that, you know, hopefully he continues to do that. Um, so I just hope that, you know, whatever happens, we just find ourselves a little bit of stability when it comes to that. See, TJ, my wife, was making a funny sound the other day. Turns out it was uh, the Florida Georgia line on the radio. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, Shouts out to the Florida Georgia line. We actually played a few of their songs uh, here on, on uh, at the radio station I work at. So, shouts out to them. TJ, with all due respect, dude, you had on yesterday kind of jumped that off, uh, though, because he was very pro Jameis in some ways was ishing on car. Look, I look, I I completely understand what you know you saying it. I I do. I can understand it. But at the same time, here's the reality: if you feel strongly against something that somebody's speaking of, you're automatically going to it's going to ignite you. It's almost like if I was to bring a Falcon fan on this show, and they were like, "Man, the Falcons are better than the Saints. Ain't nothing y'all can say about it." You know, we got this better than y'all. We got that better than y'all. Guess what? Your emotions are going to be at an all-time high because you're so emotionally invested in the Saints, right? So it's almost like, man, I ain't trying to hear this, and it's going to ignite something in you. So it's not so much about what he's saying. And it is here's the thing. Inevitable, maybe, like, I want, look, this is for all my pod, my podcasting people out here people that aspire to be in broadcasting, I'm about to let y'all in on something, right? There's going to come a time when you're going to have to interview a person that you may not necessarily agree with everything that they're saying, but you cannot put your emotions on your sleeve, right? I completely suspend all judgment when I'm, I'm interviewing people because here's the thing. I've done over a thousand episodes of this show. I, I mean, countless clips. Everybody pretty much knows how I feel and knows my voice or whatever like that. Not in a braggadocious way, but if you've been following this show, you see what I'm saying. I give people, my guests that come on this podcast, the opportunity to speak, right? And there's sometimes where I don't agree with what they're saying. But I will respect their, you know, their right to say what they're saying, right? I think sometimes people feel when you bring somebody on a show, it's because you coincide or, or you you sympathize with them or you believe what they're saying or like it, it's about content at the end of the day. It's about putting things to perspective. It's about giving people something to think about. When a person comes on the show. I'm giving them a, you know, I'm giving them a platform to be able to express themselves. And, you know, sometimes, like I said, if you're emotional about a certain situation, it will ignite some type of energy, rather it's positive or negative in you. But you cannot be afraid or shy away from those situations. You know, I tell anybody, like I will interview a person that is a part of a, you know, a, a racist group like seriously like as crazy as that sounds i would because i don't go into interviews with any type of emotional investment you can't you know like if you're gonna do that then don't do podcasting don't do broadcasting i'm telling you do not do it like if you can't if you can't sit up and do an interview with someone 
and you may, you know, and you disagree with them and you cannot control your emotions, don't do it. But at the same time, I completely understand why people will feel the way that they do. But you can't be so, you know, emotional about the situation because here's the reality also. It's hard to change somebody's mind. Like when I post stuff on Twitter, I, you know, like I've just posted. Like I used to go back and forth. I'm trying to like not do that anymore. Reason why is because if a person's mind already made up, you're not going to change their mind. How many times have you ever had a back and forth banter with someone and they say, you know what? You're right. You know what? The way that you feel about it is absolutely right. I'm wrong. You know, I don't think that what I said has any merit because of what you just said to me. How many times do you see that? No, it's if you back them into a corner, they're going to find a way to maneuver or move the goalpost or try to deflect. Right. Because nobody wants to admit when they're wrong. So, you know, like that's the reason why, you know, it's best for you to kind of control your emotions. It's best for you to like just be open to other people's opinion. And even if you don't agree with what that person is actually saying, I mean, just agree to disagree. But, you know, I'm not like, honestly, I, I wish I could tell you that I'm probably not going to bring somebody on the show that that you're not going to agree with anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to agree with everything that person is saying. I wish I could say that, but I won't. Because what what is the point of having conversations? Like, what is the point of growing as an individual? Rather, you you grow to realize that maybe this person has some validity behind what they're saying or growing like, man, I don't know about that. You know, maybe I, uh, I'm, I'm more confident within my opinions now that I listen to that particular person. I'm just telling you, like, because I, I, there are so many people, and I appreciate this, man. I'm extremely humbled by the, the number of emails and tweets and all that kind of stuff that people come up to me and say, or, you know, say to me, you know, um, I started a podcast because of you. You know, I, you know, I appreciate everything that you're doing. You got any advice? That's the biggest, that's the best advice I can get to anybody that's trying to start a podcast, broadcasting, whatever. Like, do not be so emotional to a point where you cannot conduct the interview or you, you got to be going back and forth with your guests. Because here's the reality. You're doing everybody that listens to you a disservice because you don't have your emotions in check. And you're robbing yourself out of an opportunity to follow up on questions, uh, you know, to make the interview much better than, you know, you even imagine. So don't always wear your heart on your sleeve, folks, you know, and be okay sometimes when people, you know, don't always agree with you. I mean, I'm, I'm not always looking for an amen corner. I'm not. Like, you know, I, I just want to give everybody that advice because there, there's so many people that, that reach out, that want to start podcasts, that get into broadcasting. Those are the type of things that, that you have to experience, man. Uh, let me scroll up just a little bit more. Let's go to Mira says, uh, if Jameis has to step uh, in due to in- injury, yeah, I'm, I'm – Facts, TJ. I'm unsure about DA as a coach, but I want uh, him to do it the right way to be the best because he is the coach of my team. If he coaches good, we win and look good. If uh, he fails, we fail. So I'm all in. Yeah, that's the way I feel. You know, last year, you know, around this time, like I wasn't happy with him. 
Of course. You know, like, I don't think a lot of Saints fans, but look, I don't want to deflect. I wasn't happy with Dennis Allen. And I stand by a lot of things that I said. You know, I did want him to go. I'm not going to lie about that. You know, it may sound controversial. Some people might not like that, but it is what it is. The team did not look good, and there were times where it just seemed like he got out coached. But it just seemed like there's something about him that the Saints love. They want to bring him back. They're giving him an opportunity to build the team his way. So I'm willing to give it an opportunity. I'm not going to sit up here and just say, oh, Dennis Allen is a loser. You know, this, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm just using this as an example. Dennis Allen is a loser, so the team is forever going to be a loser, yada, 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 right? You know, like, it's a new season. It's a new day. So let's just see where it goes from here. Uh, I'm kind of excited to see how P. Carmichael already read that. Let me throw it down a little bit. I think I read this one, too. Uh, let's see. TJ, with Cam Jordan getting up there in age, some draft boards have us taking a cornerback or a running back in the first round. Being that D-line is uh, has a void, uh, what prospect do you see fitting the mode of the Saints? Uh, well, Ed McDonald is one of them, the guy out of Iowa State. He's a he's an edge rusher. Look, uh, Corey, look, I, I I like that that statement that you just made because it gives me an opportunity to address something. What prospects do you see fitting the mold of the Saints D? See, that's the thing. Need to get away from all of these different modes that you had. The six foot seven, two hundred eighty nine, two hundred ninety pound dudes, right? The guys with long arms and long wingspan that can do swim moves but can't make it to the quarterback like Peyton Turner or uh, Davenport has failed to do, right? What you need to do is try to get the best pass rusher available. If it's one of those undersized guys like McDonald is six foot three, 240, 240 pounds, right? Not the largest guy in the world, but he can cause havoc and he can get to the quarterback. Nolan Smith isn't the biggest defensive end in the world, right? He's about 245, 250 pounds. But guess what? He can get to the quarterback. Von Mess out of Iowa, he's about 240, 250 pounds, but he can get to the quarterback. Look, the, the image, you know, look, what 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 did uh, Shock G say? I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you used to, right? Y'all remember Humpty Hump, right? You know, stop what you're doing because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you used to. You need to go ahead and just eliminate the way that you've been doing business because obviously there's a new mode of pass rush in the National Football League and it's not the 280-pound dudes anymore. Like, you think about this, Kayvon Thibodeau, I'm, I'm with you about 250. You know, you, you look at T.J. White. You know, how, what are you about, 240? You, you look at the Bosa brothers, what they about, 250, 260 maybe? You know, like, the, 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 the guys that are terrorizing the National Football League aren't these big Reggie White type guys anymore because these guys are so fast. They're so athletic. They're so strong. They can bend low. They can get underneath some of these larger 300-pound offensive linemen, and they can get to the quarterback. So to me, I think that they need to destroy the, the logic and the thinking that they've been having on the, off, I mean, on the defensive line. I, I'm looking at some of these smaller guys that are able to get these double-digit sacks consistently. And, you know, we, we yet the Saints have been drafting guys with long wingspan that probably average between five to six sacks apiece. You know, sometimes you got to look at what you're doing 
and wonder to yourself, like, you know, maybe we need to go in a different direction. How is it that these new breed of guys are getting drafted by these teams and they're the ones that's terrorizing, you know, the NFL? Aiden Hutchinson is another guy, right? Aiden Hutchinson is another guy that's terrorizing the NFL, right? This guy catching, what, he had more interceptions than all the cornerbacks on the Saints team, right? He, what, he had three interceptions last season at the, from – the Ed, like as as a defensive end, he has three interceptions. He had more interceptions than anybody in the secondary. That's crazy, you know. So, yeah, there you go. Well, there's that expert. Also, uh, get into arguments with people who don't watch any college football as well, especially when it comes to drafting stuff. Well, like once again, if you, if you know people are like that, why even entertain them? Like, because here's the here's the thing. We live in a contrarian world, right? There's a lot of people that will go against you because more people see the world the way that you see it, right? And they know that they can see the world the way that you see it. But that's not the most popular thing to do. That's not the most exciting thing to do, right? So I'm going to kick against everything that you actually believe, you know, because I want people to see me. Some people do that. You know, there, there are some times where I, I see people that really want to legitimately have a conversation and disagree with what I'm saying. And I can, you know, like, OK, you know, this is why I feel the way I do. They tell me this is the way I feel you do. You know, I respect what you're saying. Right. But then you have other people that I see constantly. Like I can put, you know, today is Thursday. Well, you know, technically today ain't Thursday because the stars shift this way and they shift this way. So technically it's Friday. Like you got people that literally feel like would kick against something like that. Right. That ju that's just the way that it goes. That's just the way that it goes sometimes. Right. So, I mean, you, you got to be able to pick your, pick your battles. Right. So, some people, you know, feel like Deion Sanders, they got time today. Right. You know, like I'm, I'm gonna give you what you want, but at the same time, you have to understand like some people just like, to go against how you feel you know go against how you feel and, and that, that's fine you know but sometimes people just do it because they know they can get under your skin and sometimes you have to have that, that thick skin sometimes man you can't be thin skin and you also got to be understand you have to understand that other people have difference of opinions than you and when you do that that's why i feel like you're ready to like take on the world uh, get out of here. Yeah, I don't care if somebody uh, disagrees with me, but if you're going to be rude about it, then tell me why you disagree. And a lot of people can't do it because they don't know football. Well, it's not the fact that they don't know football. They just probably don't see the football the way that you do. That, that's what that's what I'm saying. Like, we can't just be so dismissive. Like, sometimes, like, I just feel like, you know, if you ever take communications, there's there's something called pseudo listening, right? Pseudo listening, if you take like certain bullet points and you apply it to, you know, your response. Right. And sometimes because you can get too riled up or you may have a difference of opinion than someone, you can kind of miss what they're actually saying. And they, they might have some validity behind what they're saying. It may not be totally right. It might be like some some little points that's missing, but at least you have a full understanding of what somebody is actually saying. You know, I think sometimes we get upset is because we have such a 
strong stance about certain situations that we don't want to feel like somebody is knocking us off the block or we don't want, you know, to feel like, you know, like we wavering. And that's fine. Like you can be true to yourself, but at the same time, be respectful of what other somebody else is saying. And even if a person is trying to be disrespectful, you have to ask yourself, why are they being disrespectful? Inevitable, like, why are they being disrespectful? It's because maybe you're speaking too much truth. Maybe it's the fact that your knowledge is trumping what they're what they're talking about. And again, it goes back to what I just said. A lot of people aren't going to sit up here and say, you know what, you're right. You know, you, you gave me food for thought. Thank you for this conversation. It's been invigorating, right? They're, they're, they're not going to say that, right? So you got to got to understand when a person responds a certain way, why are they responding that way? And we got to, you know, have that, that strength to just say, I mean, it ain't worth it. So, man, that, that's, that's, you know, that's what I say. You know, sometimes, like, people do understand football. Sometimes people do have, like, really good points. Sometimes it can be a little bit misguided, but, you know, you, you can find the most beautiful things and, you know, beautiful flowers and tall weeds, right? Yeah. Let's see. Uh, college football has become better since Alabama isn't winning the title every doggone year. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I like the way college football is going right now, and it has a lot to do with the NILs because now, you know, guys can go out here and get money off their name, image, and likeness, and now it's making it tougher for some of these mainstay powerhouse schools to just get the status quo four and five star athletes. You really got to go out here and work. Um, I want to say uh, shouts out to Booker T. Washington High School in Tuskegee, Alabama. That's uh, my wife's uh, alma mater. Um, Nick Saban went uh, out there to watch a football player at that school, right? You know, like uh, so did uh, the coach at Auburn, right? So Nick Saban don't really go too many places. He has sent representatives and stuff like that. It's, it's very rare. Like I think if I'm not mistaken, Nick Saban – he was on college football game day, and he said the last time he went go watch a, a player up close was Jameis Winston when he was at, in Bessemer, Alabama. So he don't really go too many places. But now, man, you got to go out there. You got to go out there because now these schools can get this NIL deals, you know, and, 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 you know, be able to get you and recruit you to these schools, right? Now it's an equal playing field. You can't just say, oh, man, you know, Alabama, Nick Saban, Bell Bryant. You know, you can't just say that, you know, and to a lot of these kids, you know, those things don't really too much matter anymore. I mean, of course, you want to go to the best school to get you into the NFL, but these other schools are they have just as much money as Alabama and, you know, they can make it more appealing. And they're they're willing to rip some things up and create some new things. I think I think Oregon started this whole, uh, you know, uniform thing, you know, where you have so many different players. Uh, you know, they get recruited by these schools. Now they got all these different variations of uniforms. Oregon used to be like that. That was a really good sales pitch. So now you really got to do your due diligence now. You can't just go in and put your Alabama shirt on and, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and your Alabama visor hat and just go to somebody's house and say, come with me, you know, and I can make you a star. Now it's like you can go to some of these other schools and you can get that name, image, and likeness deal, you know, social media plays a huge role in that, you know, it can help you generate your following. You know, you got to work now. So you're going to see, probably going to see more schools 
uh, you know, that probably wasn't part of that conversation end up finding their way back uh, to, you know, national prominence. Uh, thank God for transfer report and NIL deal changes the landscape in college football. Yep. So teams can now actually compete with Alabama. That, that's my whole point, Trail. That's, that's, that was a good point. That's a good point that, uh, you know, that you just made. Because, I mean, I, I, I agree. You know, now you just can't go out here and just rest on, oh, I'm I'm Alabama. I'm Clemson. Nah, you got to go out here and you got to work. And also, I'm happy about that because, you know, when I was growing up, you know, teenage, college, uh, you know, I, I, I remember, you know, the BCS. You know, the BCS, you know, it was the computer-generated system. And every now and then, the, the computer spit out Boise State. And Boise State can go to the Fiesta Bowl and knock off Oklahoma, right? And sometimes it would miss. You know, you'll have Hawaii taking on Georgia and getting beat to sleep 60 to nothing. You know, like, but it, it was intriguing. And also, you know, I, I felt like when Boise State beat Oklahoma. Yeah, we're towards the end of the show, folks, if you, if you haven't noticed. When Boise State beat Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl, you know, a lot of people probably felt before that game happened, yeah, we're going to put this little pot of puff team out here against Oklahoma. Adrian Peterson going to run for 300 yards, and they, they can get slapped around, and it's just going to justify us, you know, manipulating this system where we, can, we keep these outsiders out. But then you start to see Boise State not only win a Fiesta Bowl, but consistently get talent, consistently find themselves into the BCS games, and then what happened? All of a sudden, oh, we need the college football playoff. We need a committee, right? The committee was designed to keep these boys out, right? To keep them out, to keep the, you know, the LSUs and the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Clemsons constantly, consistently going to these college football playoff games because it was basically a man-made system now, right? But now, what what do you do now when other teams can get four- and five-star athletes that may not be Alabama, may not be Georgia, may not be Florida, but it's a, you know, a USC or it, it, it's a Utah or it's a, you know, like an Oklahoma State. Now you got to work. And now, even though you do have a man-made system, what can you do if Oklahoma State is undefeated at that particular time or Utah is undefeated at that particular time? You can't keep them. You can't keep them out now because the entire world sees that they're undefeated and they play in a power conference. So, you know, I, I think that it's beneficial. It's, it's unfortunate that we had to have, what, six or seven years of the same status quo. Now the NIL uh, deal situation kind of is changing the way and changing the landscape of college football. And now we're getting back to being more competitive. Some of these old guys, you know, they don't agree. They don't like it, you know, because now they got to go out here and work, but Hey, that's the inevitable. I had to apologize to one one yesterday to let him know I wasn't trying to be disrespectful. That's not what TJ follow is about. I respect this take. I just uh, tired of the drama. I agree, man. Like I said, I'm, I, I I don't want that type of energy, you know. Like every time you you start talking about that, it does create a a, a, a divide. And like I say, I'm I'm looking forward to some you know some positivity. Uh, let's see, I got the Saints winning the division, but if another team gets Lamar Jackson, or ready for that, uh, what should we do? Well, if another team gets him, hopefully it's not in the South, right? 
if, if you know, maybe it's another team that can be able to get them from Baltimore. Just hope that it's not the uh, hope it's not the Falcons. Uh, yeah, I feel you. My thing is, if you disagree with me, tell me why. And none of them were uh, competent enough to do so. Well, I don't know. Like I said, that maybe that was one of those instances where I was telling you, like some people. Look, if you generate a certain level of following, people watch you enough or people see you tweeting enough, they know what can push your buttons. And you should never allow anybody to have that level of power over you. You know, sometimes they can do that because they know that you're going to try to, you know, snap back at them or, you know, they can probably really get you riled up, taking 30, 45 minutes of your life going back and forth with you. So sometimes you got to pick your battles inevitable. You know, sometimes people know how knowledgeable you are but they also know that sometimes like you cannot shy away or run away from, you know, uh, an argument. So sometimes you got to, you know, realize the power that you possess in a positive way and also in a negative way in order to get better. Uh, Nick Saban brought back uh, what LSU had today. Respect. Uh, I just can't cheer for Alabama. Even with him there, I can't do it. Born in Baton Rouge and raised in St. Gabriel, Louisiana all day. David, look, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I ain't got to look. I'm not one of those people that just despise, you know, college football teams. Right. I like LSU. I've always liked LSU. But if I, if I was to if I was to tell you that I'm so emotionally invested in LSU uh, like I am Jackson State, I'll be lying to you. Now, the only school like I just strongly I won't say strongly despise. Like I got a level of respect for them, but it's all corn, all corn and mississippi valley state you know like those are two schools but they they are jackson state rivals right uh you know the the passion that i have for my school is the reason why you know i laugh when alcorn has misfortune and so is valley i mean i, I stay laughing with valley because they stay with misfortune but y'all see what i'm talking about right um you know it, it's that it's that that friendly banter right or or you know when a falcon's uh fall all over themselves constantly you know like it, it's it's for our, our viewing pleasure right it, we we enjoy that but i don't have like the same level of emotional investment in watching alabama fail you know because i'm from louisiana and lsu is there like i, I want to see lsu win it all but i don't my my i have way more passion for jackson state than i do for lsu if that makes any sense and and if you went to hbcu or you went to uh one of these schools like if you went to lsu right i mean of course like you probably despise alabama you know like because you went there like is he you're emotionally invested in that right you're emotionally invested in that i went to jackson state university so Alcorn and valley like i'm when they lose i'm emotionally invested in that because you know, I want to see them fail, you know, because <laughs> I mean, they are, they're Jackson State rivals. But yeah, I get what you're saying, though. I, I get it. Uh, I can't stand Mike Evans, but I can't lie. I love his game and how he's built as a wide receiver and physicality. I wouldn't mind having him in our receiving room, uh, him and Lattimore at practice, though. Yeah, I mean, look, Mike Evans is a talented wide receiver. Um, I, I got to be honest, man, there's not a wide receiver that has come through the South that I can just say that I hate, you know, I don't want to see them do well against the saints, but uh, I mean, I don't hate Steve Smith. I never, I didn't like, I mean, I didn't hate Steve Smith. Like 
dude was a dog. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, dude, dude wasn't was no pushover. I, I mean, Roddy White, uh, Julio Jones. Like, I don't like hate these guys. You know, like I don't despise them. Like, I just want to see them fail when they play the Saints. You know, but you know when you watch these guys from a distance, like if they're playing, like let's just say they're playing the Titans on a Sunday night or something, like. If they making plays, it's like, man, that dude, they're a fool. Like, I remember when the Patriots played the the Falcons in the Super Bowl. Like, I feel so bad for Julio because that boy was balling. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you look at that Super Bowl, like, some of the catches Julio was making out there was like, man, my goodness. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like they lost, so you happy about that. So, you know, but I don't, I, I don't despise any – like, honestly, I don't despise any – player you know that that plays in division like that because i know that that's gonna be a, a strong possibility that player might end up coming to the saints so i mean i just don't want to see them do well when they play against the saints it's all good tj i got more passion for the saints than i do for the patriots and i live less than an hour from gillette stadium yeah i mean look that that's that's just the way that it goes sometimes like when you're emotionally invested when you're emotionally invested in something you know, it's kind of hard for you to turn it off. You know, it's like somebody talking about your, your mama or your, or your dad or your husband or your wife, you know, or your kids. Like you become like, you know, emotionally invested. And, and if they do talk about them, you know what I'm saying? That, that can ignite some type of like, like passion or anger, you know, vitriol, you know, like if you're not careful. That's why, you know, I, I tell people like, it's very important that you stay in tune with your emotions because people can manipulate you and move you around like a little puppet dog. Don't do that. Uh, you must have, uh, you must not have watched the saints game when the St. Louis Rams were in division. I hated all their receivers. Well, that's because they was good. You know, most of the time, like most of the time you don't like a guy because they good. Like is it, they, they throwing a monkey wrench in your plans. Like anybody sitting up there like, man, I hate Alex Mack. Like, not like I, I hate uh, Jake Matthews. Like, you know, like he about to, you know, saying Cam Jordan about to go out here and sack Matt Ryan about three, four times. Like, you don't, you don't look at them dudes like that. Like, nobody on the on the Falcons offensive line. You like, man, I hate that dude. But I guarantee you, if you look at a Falcon fan, they were like, man, I hate Teron Armstead. Man, I hate that dude Ryan Ramchick. Man, we like, you know, like it's it's mostly guys that making your team look crazy you know what i'm saying like like turner you know what i'm saying like michael turner or whatever like turning the burner when he was with the falcons like he running all over the same three touchdowns uh marshall Falk, you know what i'm saying catching the ball out the backfield and running between the tackles tory holden isaac bruce and, and ricky pro like like all those guys were good so it's like of course you ain't gonna like them because they basically been destroying your team it's just like i'm pretty sure if you look around the nfc south a lot of the, the fans of other teams hated Drew Brees. They hated him. You know what I'm saying? Because they know Drew Brees about to get the upper hand on him. They know that Drew Brees, like, four quarter, about three minutes left. They they got to be holding their rosary beads. They got to be holding their lucky rabbit foot, their lucky horseshoe, because Drew Brees got the ball, and they know two things are going to happen. He's going to put that ball in the end zone, or he's going to set it up for a field goal. You know, most of the people that you just can't stand is because they're good. They just great players, you know. You 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 respect the greatness, you know, but you just don't like the fact that it's happening to you. 
uh, talk about hey wide receiver Roddy White is one of them. <laughs> I have a funny story, man. Um, grow, like when I was living uh, in Texas, right, and this was during the time you know in my twenties, you know, I used to have uh, dreadlocks, and man, I would go to the store, I would go to like you know the you know gym and stuff like that. I remember one time, like I walked into the, like the gym, you know, the basketball court in the gym, and I had this guy that walked all the way around the gym that would come up to me and he's like, "Man, I swear, man, I thought you were Roddy White. Like, I'm serious, man. Air, like, everybody thought that, like, it, it wasn't at least a day that went by that people didn't think that I was Roddy White. I just thought that was like extremely hilarious. Like, I just thought, like, at first it was, you know, because the first time it was some guys I hung out with, it was like, man, anybody told you, like, Roddy White? I'm like, nah, man, just a joke. Now you're just messing with me or whatever. But it, I'm telling you, it's like you go to the store and, like, people just think that, you know, it's crazy. It was funny. But, you know, Roddy White was a good wide receiver. You know, he was a really good wide receiver. Um, You know, like I said, most of the time when you don't like a guy, it's because they were good. Uh, it's true. I never gave the Bucks much of a thought because they suck. But when they got Brady and them boys, I had a burning hatred for them all of a sudden. Yeah, it's because of the greatness. Like, you know, people, you know, people find themselves, you know, despising greatness. Let's see, uh, Ricky Pro, one of the best and most consistent white dudes to ever play wide receiver. Guy like him and Julie Edelman are solid. Yeah, Jordan Nelson is one. Adam Thielen is another. Um, you know, what I mean, yeah, they they had some, they had some really good ones out there, man. I think a lot of times those guys slip through the crack because they are white. You know, I'm be honest, like it, it's almost like a, <laughs> you know, people don't want to give credit like Cooper Cup, like that boy out there, uh, put putting these boys in the blender. But it's like, who the top wide receivers in the league is? You know, like you know, you gonna you gonna name about four or five black guys, but. Adam Thielen is just as good. Cooper Cole was just as good. Jordan Nelson was just as good. You know, I mean, they they got reverse racism when it comes to football too, now. <laughs> you know, like a lot of these guys don't get that credit because they 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 are white boys, man. But man, they can ball out. Man, Cup, Cooper Cup is a beast. Like, you know, cool. I see. Look, there, there's. Not, I'm gonna be honest. Like this, this is this is real. Marshawn Lattimore can lock up a lot of guys, but the ones that I, I've seen really giving them problems and fits has been, you know what I'm saying, these wide receivers, you know, like like Adam Thielen, like Cooper Cup, you know what I'm saying? Like, those are guys that seem to give him most fits and most problems, you know? But, hey, man, those guys are good, man, and, I, you know, they, they deserve their credit, man. You know, they, they deserve their credit, too, because they, they, they can ball out. Uh, I'm gonna take a few more, and then we'll get up out of here. It says uh, Jackson State ain't doing nothing. It's all about them Jaguars, man. I can't even keep a straight face, uh, but they uh, been good lately. No lie. Yeah, Southern is good, man. Southern is a good football team. You know, uh, shouts out to their coach. He be out there, <laughs> and man, be out there wearing ascots. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but uh, that man can coach. You know, so shouts out to him. And um, you know, I expect for them to really make some noise, man. Um, this this season. Look, um, Deion Sanders is at Colorado, but Jackson State better play. They better play because I'm telling you, like, he left a lot of receipts that they're going to have to find. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real. Like, the, these teams, are they they, they they chomping at the bit. They licking their chops 
to put up 50, 60 points on Jackson State. Like, I'm telling you, like, Jackson State better play because the attitude and the cockiness that Deion Sanders instilled inside of, like, Jackson State players and when they was, like, on the field and stuff and how we just superior to y'all and y'all ain't nothing. And then, you know, like, keeping quarterbacks in the game, throwing the ball when they up by three, four touchdowns. Jackson State better play. I'm telling you. Oh, it's gonna get real, real ugly because them teams ain't gonna have like no, they ain't gonna have no sympathy for Jackson State. If they can, if they feel like they can put up a hundred on Jackson State, they're gonna try to put up a hundred. I live in Atlanta now. I can tell you it's more Saints and Giant fans here than Falcons fans. Who that nation is deep in Georgia. Yeah, Trail, look, I, I went to the uh Falcon Saints game uh week one. You know, they had a lot of uh Saints fans out there, they had a lot of Falcon fans, and um you know, um, we rode the train to get to the stadium and on the train, you had Falcon fans, you had Saints fans. And, you know, at, you know, a lot of talking at the beginning of the game, but it was a quiet ride back to the to the car, you know, when when the Saints won. <laughs> it wasn't much talking after that. I mean, I, honestly, what could you say? Giving up a big lead like that in the fourth quarter. Uh, let's see. Do you ever go to the Bayou Classic? I, I, I'm. I used to go to the uh, Bayou Classic when I was younger, but nah. Do That Nation is the best fan base in the entire world. I mean, yeah, this is a pretty good uh, fan base that we have. Like, yeah, but as far as the Bayou Classic, yeah, man, not in a long time. Um, when when I was younger, of course. I mean, look, tickets were basically free. Like, you know, high school, middle school, like you get to go to Bayou Classic. It's pretty cool. Um, So, yeah, I mean – but Southern Grambling, that's always gonna hold a special place in my heart, man. I mean, I'm I'm Louisiana through and through. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, I the emotional investment in certain schools aren't as strong because I, I went to Jackson State, but I still got love for the traditions that Louisiana has. You know, the Bayou Classic, the Jazz Fest, Essence Fest, Mardi Gras. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it, it's certain things that just never goes away. You know, they're always a part of you, and uh, those are one of those things. Uh, that's 5K coming out your check. <laughs> Let's see, and uh, we'll finish it up with Chosen. Says it's all good, Jerry. I'm going to have Mickey Loomis re <laughs> reconstruct my deal. Yeah, I mean, look, you know you're about to get that guaranteed money. You know, it ain't ain't no incentive laid them deals when you're playing for the Saints. You're going to get that signing bonus, right? They're going to convert They're gonna convert that base salary into that signing bonus for you. So that's a positive thing. But thank you all so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. Really do appreciate it, man. Shouts out to everybody here. Uh, much love to everybody that's listening, no matter where you are, wherever you may be. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com, search the State of the Saints podcast. Also on facebook.com, search the State of the Saints podcast. We got previous episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor FM. Uh, also on Megaphone FM. Uh, Shouts out to the Belly Up Sports network uh sports podcasting network uh you can check out state of the saints podcast there as well as other uh content that they have in store from other nfl teams also college football baseball hockey so check out the belly up sports follow them on twitter and also follow me on twitter at tjay jones eight till next time all i gotta say is who that Woo!